Good morning, everyone. Good morning, it's great to see you. Hello. And hello to all of you up there and everybody that's online as well. It's great to see you this morning. As Sue has already um, introduced me, I'm Phil, I'm part of the um, leadership team here at Jubilee and um, it's great to see um, family and friends gathered here today for the, for the dedication of um, six, six children. It's amazing. So we're really excited about um, today and about bringing these six children here to, um, to pray for them and pray for their families. It's not a baptism service. We, there's going to be no water involved. Might be some tears of joy, but there, there'll be no water. Um, we baptize believers, um, so there will be a baptism service in, in a few weeks' time um, in this church. But we don't baptize babies, we baptize believers, and we dedicate children to the Lord, and, and we, we pray for them. Recognize, we're recognizing that our children um, belong to the Lord, that they're a gift, and he created them, he's got a plan for them. And to publicly confess that we're going to raise them up in the Lord, and asking in the congregation and appointed godparents, if you've got them, to support and pray for them. So that's what we're here to do today. And as we celebrate new life at Jubilee, how do we raise up these children as a community together and see our children flourish as disciples of Jesus? Do you know, in the UK, we've got such an amazing, rich heritage. And um, I'm always amazed by our, our long-ago heroes of the faith, like people like C.T. Studd who gave away a vast fortune and went on the mission field and gave his life completely over to the, to the things of God. And he wrote, some people choose to live beyond, um, near the sound of church or chapel bell, but I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. I love that. He, he got what it meant to, to sell out and give his life completely to Jesus. But one day, his parents brought him to a church a little bit like this. And I don't know whether he was christened or whether he was baptised or whatever, whatever they did back in that day, but he was brought to church by his family. Um, many other people, David Livingstone, Jackie Pullinger, more modern hero of the faith, but many heroes of the faith, but they started at ground zero, didn't they? And they must have had parents and family around them that were praying for them and encouraging them. I wonder what it is we want for our children. What is it we actually want for our children? Do we want them to just have a, a faith? Is, is, is that enough? Or do we want them to be completely consumed by the, by the love and the power of God? Do we want to see them grow up to be heroes of the faith? Do we want our children to be history makers? I know that that's what I want for my children. And I still want that for my children. That they would be history makers, that they would make a difference in the world in which they live. And there's an African proverb that it takes a whole village to raise a child. And I, and I love that. That sense of a community that is looking out and encouraging and praying. And one of the things I love about Jubilee is that we are very, we're a very diverse church and we learn 
from each other. We've got 30 odd nations in this church and we, we're learning from each other's culture. We've got people of different nationalities today. We've got, we've got a couple of Polish families bringing their children to be dedicated today, saying hi to Jonathan up there. And um, you know, it's fantastic. We learn from each other's culture, but it takes a whole village to raise a child. It's wonderful, isn't it? When you, when you start to think about that and unpack that, that, that statement, it means that we are all there. And I want to just flip that on its head a little bit and say that it takes a whole church to raise a child. It takes a whole church to raise a child. And we, the body of Christ here at Jubilee, we've got a responsibility today a serious responsibility to um, encourage and pray and serve and love and everything to help the, the parents here to raise these children that they might be all that God has planned for them to be. And knowing my God, the plans will be big. The plans will be big for these children. Because the potential is massive. When I look around here today, I can see many people who um, have put their trust in Jesus and whose lives have been transformed by the gospel. Drug addictions, broken. Broken lives, um, mended and repaired and set free. We don't come today to a dead, boring, dry religion. We come to a living God who is active amongst us with healing and deliverance and freedom and transformation. I'm, I've been transformed by the gospel. And I know that many of you have too. Is there anybody out there that's been transformed by the gospel? Yes. yes. There's a lot of you, isn't there? And it's so exciting to be in a place where God's power is being worked out amongst us. And that's what we want for our children, that they would grow up in the atmosphere of faith and life and vitality. I love it what Kay said last week when she was saying that she needs the church. She can't do without the church. She needs this community to help her. And I, and I love that because it's so true. I, I feel exactly the same way, Kay. And it's like we need each other. And how much more do our parents and the children that we're bringing to dedicate today need us to support them? What does that look like? What do we, what do we want our children? In Ephesians 4.13, it says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Each one of us is seeking that maturity where, we, where we, we're in that place where we know God and we, we stand in that place of um, knowing who we are in Christ and being mature in our faith. And that's what we want for our children. You know, you can be immature at 80, but you can be mature at 20. I've met plenty of older people that are still very immature, still not worked out how to grow up. I, I think it's, you know, I want to grow up before I grow old, you know. People keep saying to me, what, what, what are you doing? And I say, well, I don't, I don't really know what, I, what, I've, you know, what I'm, I'm going to do yet. I haven't decided yet what, you know, what career path I'm going to take. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to figure all that out. But I do want to grow up before I grow old. 
It's your responsibility to do that, isn't it? To grow up before you grow old. And our children, we want them to grow in the things of God. We don't just want them to become believers. We want them to become radical disciples of Jesus Christ. We don't want them to just have a, a beige Sunday faith. We want them to be on fire for God. There's a difference. We want them to live it. We want them to be the ones that are laying the hand, hands on their, their friends at school when they fall over and, and hurt their knee. We want our kids to be laying hands on them and praying for healing. We want to see them moving in the power of God. That's what we want for our children. And each one of us has got our part to play in that. In Romans 12, it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, and each member, each member belongs to the others. We belong to each other. You have a part to play in this, um, bringing our children up in the faith. Each one of you has a part to play. And of course the parents have got the toughest job, yeah? Because we only see them like occasionally, right? So when we do see them, it's our job to really invest in that intense time. But the parents have got the responsibility. And I just want to share with you seven things, really, really simple. Seven things that your kids need to see in you, parents, and church, that the kids need to see in you too. First one is put Jesus first in everything. Always put Jesus first. Don't put, don't put anything else in front of Jesus. Don't be, don't be selling out. Don't be putting Jesus somewhere on the shelf. Put Jesus first. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given to you. If you want to live a life, um, if you want to see your children come to faith, you need to put Jesus first. You need to model that you have put Jesus first. If you're, if you're just coming to church on a Sunday and you, you, you don't mention Jesus the rest of the week, if you if you, you know, you're speaking badly and not living how, how Jesus would have you live, then your kids are going to see right through that. No, put Jesus first. Make him the center of your family. Make him the center of everything that you do. Let his name be on your lips when you get together at breakfast time. You know, lift up Jesus in everything. And model, number two, model what, it, what a Christian should look like. You know, you can teach some things, but a lot of things that we do are, are, are actually caught. They're not taught. Your, your kids catch what you do. They see what you do, and they catch it. They, they, they see the way that you treat people. They see the priorities that you have in your life. They, they see the way that you practice hospitality. They see the way that you are with your money and your finances. The kids have got like a, a really, really close insight into the way that your family works. And as they grow up, if they see the things being worked out and they see the goodness of God in everything that you do, it will be completely irresistible to them. Likewise, us as a church, we need to model what it is to be believers that really believe this stuff, that we really love those around us, 
We don't just talk about it. We really live it. Don't be a grumbler. Don't grumble about people. Don't come in and, and start moaning about people. Oh, those people in the church, blooming neck. They're doing me head in. <laughs> Don't do that. Do you know something? I, I, I have to say to you that it's something that, that me and Debbie got wrong. You know, we sometimes would do that. We'd sit at the table and like, we'd, we'd grumble about maybe some of the people that were trying to lead us and maybe grumble about some of the people and the things. And our kids heard that. And it, it switched them right off. Don't make the mistake that I made. Don't be a grumbler. James says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Don't be a grumbler. If you, if you need to speak about stuff like that, use your wisdom. Speak in private. Don't be a grumbler. Don't be stingy. Be generous. Open up your homes. Invite people in. Be generous with your time and your money. And if you do that, then your kids will model that. Um, Terry Vergo wrote yesterday um, in his little blog that I sometimes read, and he said, um, boasting is a really ugly habit. But boasting in the Lord is something that Paul did, and we should do that too. Uh, a few weeks ago, Debbie and I went to visit our daughter in Leicester, and um, we thought we were going to be staying over the night. And when we got there... It was full of people. It was like a kibbutz. And, um, and I said, well, and they said, well, you're going to have to stay at the travel lodge, mum and dad. And it was full of um, YWAM missionaries. Do you know something? I've never been so proud. I've never been so proud. Because they'd understood that serving the body of Christ and serving God's people is, is a high calling. And like nearly every time I've been round to their house, there's always somebody staying over or somebody coming round for dinner. Or, and I love that. And as, you, as we've modelled that, they've taken that on board and done that too. I want to tell you that um, what you model as a Christian, your kids will, will pick up on. Number three, make family a priority. Our relationship with God comes first, but our commitment to family comes next. It's so important that we realise this. And where can church come after that? But you know, your, your relationship with God comes first, but your family comes next. It has to come next. It, it, it can't not. You can't be absent because you're so busy with other things. The, the kids are important. They're so important. Family time. We always used to have family time. Every weekend we would have a time where we would do something with the kids. You know, even, even if it was like really, really, really busy weekend, we would always make sure that there was a family time. You know, so we'd go out or we'd, we'd go to the Westwood or we'd, we'd go to the beach or we'd go to the park or we'd, um, we'd watch a movie together or we'd go to the cinema or we'd go bowling. Or we'd, we'd, but family time was like fixed. And I think you've got to have... You've got to have time for your family. Teach your children the Bible and about God. You know, um, yes, the church is a great place where your kids can learn about Jesus, but um, you're the main teacher. You need to read the stories of Jesus to your children. Tell them the stories of Jesus. Read the stories of Jesus to them. Get them familiar with the with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Make Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John their best friends. 
Get them to understand what Jesus taught. So important. And yes, the church will add to that and, and help them and build on that, but, but it's your responsibility. It builds faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Number five, always be part of church. Don't ever, don't ever run away from church. You might move to a different town or a different city or even a different country, but always be part of the body. You cannot exist as a Christian without church. You need the church. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 tells us, let us consider then how we may spare one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus is coming back for his church. We need to be part of it. Your children need to be part of it. It enriches them and builds them, and not only the friends that they make, but just being part of and having mums and dads and uncles and aunties. We've lost that in our culture, haven't we, mums and dads, uncles and aunties? In the African culture, I love that. I mean, um, I've got a friend called Naf Daniel who's 40. He's a big Nigerian guy. And I'm like, I'm round Tesco's in town and he's like, hey, Uncle Phil! And like, everybody's looking like, how does that work? <laughs> but I, I love that. But you know, I love that culture of uncles and aunties. I think it's, I think it's great. Because, one, it makes you feel like you've, you've got like a responsibility towards them. And I love the intimacy of that as well. I love the family feel of that. And like, and yeah, yeah, you know, Naf Daniel's like a 40-year-old Nigerian guy, but he still calls me his uncle. I love that. I'm, I'm down with that. It's good. People in Tesco's might not understand, but it's, it's fine. I love it. Church is also a great place for um, children to learn um, discipline, accountability, service, servanthood, all of those good things that we want to teach our children, you can learn here. The right way of doing it, the right way to love people, the right way to, to um, correct, the right way to build up, the right way to do things can be learned in church. Number six, pray regularly with uh, with and for your children. Teach your children about prayer and model it. Get them praying um, with you. Pray for other people with your children. You know? It's like um, Dan, and, Dan, and Dan comes in from, from being out and um, he, says, he says, right, um, Rachel, Reuben, Eden, Anna, right, we've got to pray for Phil. Okay, so they get together and Reuben's like, oh, not again, Dad. No, what's he done this time? But you know, like you get together and you pray. Maybe not about big things because you know you need to be careful about um, you know what you say in front of children because they'll repeat it. But you know, if if somebody's sick, you know, like I don't know, say like Gary's sick, right? Gary's got Gary's got a bone in his leg or something, and you know, and like he's put it he's put it on the he's put it on the chat. Gary has got a bone in his leg, needs prayer, um, you know, and we pray. You know, and you get your kids involved in praying for those, those things. Why do you do that? Well, firstly, it teach, you're teaching prayer. But secondly, you, you're getting them to see the great testimonies because we've seen a lot of people healed. Because God heals, doesn't he? You know, we've seen it. We see it, we know it, 
And what does that do when, you, when your child comes to church the next week and Gary's jumping around like Tigger at the front and like, I thought you had a, a bad leg. Well, I did, but God healed it. It builds faith. So, so pray. Get your children to pray. And exercise faith. Number seven, serve with your children. Serve God, with, serve God alongside your children, with your children. Don't be, don't be frightened to take them along with you. You can't take them to everything, right? You know, if you, if you pop into church to cast somebody's demons out, probably don't bring your kids, right? <laughs> but, you know, in, in lots of other things, you can bring them along. You know, I love it that um, Luke and Kudzi um, brought um, Joshua and Judah when we were doing street outreach. And actually, they were much better at it than we were because they got miles more people to stop and chat than we ever did. They were brilliant. So don't, you know, don't not involve your children. Don't say, this is, this is adult stuff and this is kid stuff. Get your kids serving alongside you, with you, and, and they will love it. Don't have one of these faiths where you, um, you just keep your faith to you. I've got a nice quiet faith that I keep to myself. Have you heard that? What a load of rubbish that is. That's straight out of the pit of hell, isn't it? It's like, have a nice, quiet faith that you keep to yourself. Where's that one in the Bible? No, it says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You were supposed to shine. We're supposed to shine. And as we shine, others will shine. Nelson Mandela said, um, when we shine, it gives others permission to do the same. I think, you know, with our children, when we shine, when we let our light shine, they will, they will let their light shine. If we, if we hide away and keep our faith secret, they're going to copy that. And we don't want that kind of stuff going on. We want our kids to shine. There's a lie in the world as well that a lot of parents and people in Western culture are kind of buying into. And it's this, it's... Um, and we, we raise our kids and send them to school so they can get a good education, so that they can eventually go to university, so that they can get a good job, so that they can make lots of money, so that they can be happy. That's not right, is it? No. No. But that's the, that's the lie that many people have been sold. Yeah? What is it? It's... We send our kids to school so that they can get a good education, so that they can maybe go to university if that's what they're called to do, so they could get a good job, so they could be engaged by God to reach the world for Jesus. That's what it should be about. And, and there's this lie that, and, and we see it in church, don't we? And it says those eager for money have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. And that pursuit of money, that's what it does ultimately, it just takes you away from God. See, there's a call, isn't there, on us, church? It's a narrow way. And for our children, right, the way of discipleship and the way of following Jesus is a narrow way. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it 
They're not my words, they're Jesus' words. It's a narrow way. We're, we're on the journey of the narrow way. And our kids are on the journey of the narrow way. And we've got to put everything into them. Because this next generation are really, really going to be up against it. We've got to really invest in this next generation. And we've got to really encourage the, um, the families, the parents. We've got to help them. Are you up for that? Yes. Are you up for that? Yes. Are you up for that up there? Yeah. Okay. 